spent an entire career leading up to this moment. Uh, criminal profiler who, along with his team, uh, broke the Unabomber case and uh, captured Ted Kaczynski. The author of a series of books, Journey to the Center of the Mind. Uh, also, uh, Manhunt is the Netflix memorialization of the uh, Unabomber case, and it's excellent. Paul Bettany um, and uh, Sam Worthington plays uh, James Fitzgerald. But uh, this prepares him for perhaps the greatest case of his career and, and a comeback because he's retired. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, I, I assume the FBI has reached out to enlist him to crack the case of the 1985 bar fight at Demery's in New Haven, Connecticut. Yeah, I want to hear all about it. It involved ice, correct? Yeah, ice. Don't you ice me out, baby. It involved ice, uh, ice, baby. It involved uh, UB40. Remember that? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. He went to that concert, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. They were at a concert, then yeah. they went to the bar. Or did he? Did he go to that concert? How could that concert make you angry? It kind of mellows me out. James Fitzgerald. Thank you so much for joining us again. Appreciate it. Hey, Dan. Hey, Amy. And, yeah, based on that bar fight, that's why, darn it, we should abolish ICE right now. This is exactly. <laughs> well, what happened with this bar fight? What happened with this oh, bar I fight? Have, I mean, I what, what are you talking idea. about? I mean, I, I, you've gotta, I've you've certainly been in, yeah, I'm sorry. I've been in my share of bar fights, and it looks like back in the day, not oh, recently, really? fortunately. But, I mean, uh, you know, late high school, college, I mean, those things happen. Yeah. And I just read one quick media review of it. I don't think that's going to go too too far in this whole uh, um, scenario that's being painted here about Judge Kavanaugh. Did any of your uh, bar fights include Charles Chad, Chad Luddington, or do you wish they had? <laughs> um, yeah, he wouldn't be my wingman in a bar fight, especially not 25 or 40 years later, whatever the heck it's been. So uh, thanks anyway, Chad. I appreciate it. All right. Um, yeah, it's so bizarre because he was interviewed by the FBI and he said that you know, Kavanaugh is not telling the truth about his drinking. When did this go from alleged sexual assault to how much beer he drinks? Well, uh, apparently the uh, people keep saying the, the goalposts are moving. Uh, the way I've been watching things lately, the, the entire stadium is moving <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. from one side of a city or state to another in terms of where these allegations are going and where uh, and what Judge Kavanaugh apparently did or did not do back in the day. What do you it's, think? It's truly bizarre. What, what do you, I mean, Democrats, you know, as, as you say, they're moving the stadiums. And imagine uh, that it turns out they're not satisfied with the White House's uh, authorization of the FBI to uh, uh, interview anyone necessary for the Kavanaugh I inquiry. And uh, they, uh, some Democrats even suggested that uh, the FBI agents conducting these interviews and putting together this report this week testify before the Gen Senate Judiciary Committee themselves. What do you think about that? Well, <laughs> I mean, all these, all these agents are going to do are interview some people that have already been interviewed, perhaps come up with some different people, ancillary people, tertiary people that may or may not have been on the site. And they may have some information to provide there, but they're going to memorialize them in these what we call FD302s. That's the standard interview form or report in that it's, you know, it's very formulaic. It starts with the person's name and address. They know they're talking to an FBI agent. And here's what so-and-so provided me. And it goes one page, 10 pages, 20 pages, whatever. And um, at the end, there's no conclusions. FBI agents in the field as investigators don't render 
uh, conclusions or, or, or opinions in these reports. Now, me as a profiler, when I moved on to, I became a supervisor assigned to Quantico, I would look at cases and I could write reports and render opinions in them. And of course, I've even testified to some of those in court. But that's not what these agents are being asked to do in this kind of case. As far as them testifying, I think the reports would speak. Were they going to cross-examine an FBI agent about someone from 36 years ago who may or may not said this, that, or the other? I mean, I think there's very little to gain from that point, except, of course, to perhaps delay this entire process. So, so basically it's a he said, she said situation because there's no physical evidence besides Kavanaugh's calendars. So they'll, they'll interview all these people. I mean, what, I don't know, I think four or five total. Uh, the Democrats want them to interview 24 witnesses. That's not going to happen. And they're going to present this evidence to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Is that how it works? Uh, th- that seems to be how it works. You know, every, every, all 56 divisions of the FBI have what's known as they have multiple squads who do different kind of work. And a lot of the rookie agents, uh, when they first come out of Quantico and sent to their respective uh, division, they wind up on what's known as the applicant squad. And all they do for the first year or two years is really go out and interview other FBI agent employees, or, or I should say candidates, and their families and their former schoolmates, whatever. And if it's a federal judge, an appellate judge, and even that rare occasion of the nomination of a Supreme Court judge, they go out in their division and talk to people that are relevant to this entire thing. So um, there's nothing really unusual about that. But, Amy, to go back to your question, I think, you know, a door has been open here. And I think what really, uh, what, you know, as a profiler, I'll mention that again, and you guys know that's where I spent about 12 years of, of my career. Um, a very big word, uh, a very important term in that field is that of victimology. And we have an alleged victim here in Dr. Ford, and I, I have nothing to contest that something you know didn't happen to her. I mean, it's we'll say some kind of a sexual assault took place at some point in her life. But you know what? Let's ask her some very specific questions. And she can have an attorney there. And, and let's say, hey, were you ever sexually assaulted before? Did anybody else assault you uh, either before or after this time? I'd want to know that. We, we don't even need to know specific details. If she knows the name, that's fine. But let's also do – I worked a case, and I, I, I memorialized this in my most recent book. I worked a case with a woman who came to the FBI, and from 25 years earlier, she claimed her father was a serial killer, and she, in fact, witnessed him tie these women up in her basement, decapitate them, rape them. He did things to her. He kidnapped the little boy. And along with the New York State Police, I worked uh, this matter for um, the better part of a year and a half. And it turns out she was so convinced she saw what happened. But quite frankly, without giving too much away to the end of this chapter, it clearly didn't happen like she said. Hmm. It was a repressed memory situation with her psychologist. And I even interviewed the psychologist. And he said, no, no, that's not what it is. These things really happen. And it all it all fell apart like a number of other cases I've worked over the years. So um, these are just some of the questions I'd want to know about her. I mean, uh, I'd also want to ask her, what's the memory of her time? Let's go back to 1982, and one of the FBI agents could say, hey, let me just ask you a few basic questions. Uh, who was the president in 82? Uh, who was the governor of Maryland? Hey, what are some of the movies you saw that summer? And let's kind of test her memory from back then, and she may have an answer for everything, and that works in her favor. But maybe she also doesn't, and that could also bring into question some of the memory uh, parts uh, of her brain and how it functioned back then and take it from there. So. This shouldn't just be the three or four people that we've heard mentioned already. I really think a detailed interview of her, her parents, 
her siblings and any other friends that knew her around the time could open up a lot of doors for investigators here, including the nomination of Judge Kavanaugh. Yeah, very interesting. Um, in a Wall Street Journal piece, uh, two former Justice Department uh, attorneys who uh, routinely write op-eds together, uh, Rifkin and Remington, they uh, uh, provide some sort of just kind of process insight, I think, but I want to check this up against you. Uh, they write, FBI background investigations are carried out by a special team within the Bureau called the Special Inquiry and General Background Investigations Unit, the SIGBU, as uh, we know it in the industry. Uh, gatherer right. facts doesn't control or challenge witnesses and routinely offers them anonymity. It never proffers any credibility assessments or speculates about the motives of witnesses. And they also go on to suggest that what the Democrats are doing is to politicize the, this unit potentially and the FBI by extension, which is obviously already suffering under the weight of all kinds of politicization. But I just wanted to get your uh, response to their characterization of this investigative unit that does the background investigations and uh, the, the concern about uh, the politicization of this unit within the FBI. Yeah, most violations that are covered within the jurisdiction of the FBI, there's a unit at headquarters, FBI headquarters, that supervises that. And, and I don't remember the exact name of that unit you mentioned. The FBI changes its, its unit names and acronyms, you know, every few years uh, for you know, one reason or another. So it's very likely that is a unit based out of headquarters. But they are and they may be supervising some of this. But I, I assure you, back last Thursday or Friday, when it was decided that the FBI would now, you know, do this supplemental, essentially seventh background check, check of Kavanaugh. Every division in the country was notified that this is a special. There's a there's a new number maybe assigned to it, and agents had to work through the weekend, maybe from the applicant squad, maybe some other people brought in from terrorist squads, which is kind of scary that we're taking people away from perhaps some counterterrorism investigations to do some of this stuff. Let's just pray that you know nothing happens in the meantime that could have been uh, you know under, determined at that point. So uh, so that's what's happening. I'm sure at any given time there's you know hundreds of agents working on this right now, talking to different people all around the Bureau. But I just hope the right questions are being asked by people that know a little bit about sexual assault allegations, not to mention false allegations, which sometimes can be done very honestly and credibly by someone whose just memory is, is tossed and turned by perhaps some other incidents in their life. I don't know that's what happened here, but this is one of the many options that have to be explored in doing the seventh now, and we'll see if it's the final uh, reinvestigation of uh, Brett Kavanaugh. And, and remind people, you cannot lie to the FBI. <laughs> no, well, there's a specific there's violation, 1001, yeah. wow. 18 U.S. Code, and you tell a lie to the FBI, and it certainly can be proven. We've seen some people in the last two years alone charged with that uh, in, this, uh, in, in this current administration. So um, I would advise anyone who is talking to these agents to uh, uh, you know, tell the truth and nothing but the truth. I mean, unless they're McCabe or Comey or something. I mean, there's exceptions, of course. Uh, let me uh, ask you an unrelated question to the Kavanaugh matter, but I want to get your take on this. We just memorialized the, the one-year, the gruesome one-year anniversary of the shooting in Las Vegas. And there, there's still a lot of questions about the shooter and the biggest one is, why don't we know more about that shooting and what happened? What, what, what's your assessment, understandably, from a distance of the investigation into that massacre and an answer to people's question of why we don't know more? Yeah, this is uh, going down as one of the bigger mysteries in life. Um, and, you know, Dan, the only, the only 
the only thing I can come up with after one whole year of, uh, of this matter not being resolved, certainly in terms of motivation, mm-hmm. um, I would point to this may have been a, a, an attempt at a, a mass a, a suicide by cop, but taking out you know dozens and dozens of people while you're doing it. And the closest I can come to any sort of analogy to this, and I had them written down at one point. I'm not sure what I did with them. But in the last 20 years or so, we've had at least three professional commercial airline pilots take their planes mm-hmm. um, directly into the ground, into a mountain. And uh, it happened with the Lufthansa several years ago in Austria. There was uh, uh, mm-hmm. an Air Egypt flight uh, in the late 90s, I think, that went down and left out of Boston. And there was another flight in Africa in the last five or ten years where they deem a pilot purposely crashed the plane in the ground to commit suicide. I know it's kind of like, you know, an apples and oranges type of thing to the general public who hears that. But this is the closest scenario. This guy, wanted to, he wasn't a commercial pilot that could fly hundreds of people. So he wanted to take out as many people as he could because there's no apparent terrorist bent to this. There's no apparent financial matter involved here. There's no sexual gratification out of this. So he must have been one of the suicide by cop, but on a grand scale, we took out as many people as he could, akin to these pilots who, for whatever reason, did the same thing there. I've been asked a few times, Dan and Amy, and that's the closest, unless I hear something else from the investigators. And after one year, if we haven't heard it, I'm not sure what it's going to be now. Uh, I'm not suggesting a cover-up or anything like that. But maybe this guy was the commercial airline pilot who just couldn't fly a plane that big. So he took everybody out that he could. He's a, you know, a a, a rebel, you know, without a cause, killing himself and 60 others at the same time. So the airline scenario is the only one I can come up with and um, from a behavioral perspective. But we'll see if it's ever proven or disproven. He is James Fitzgerald, retired FBI special agent and criminal profiler who gained uh, fame from the Unabomber case author of a series of books, A Journey to the Center of the Mind, and you want to check out that Netflix series called Manhunt, which uh, is about the Unabomber case where Sam Worthington plays James Fitzgerald, Paul Bettany plays Ted Kaczynski. It's really, really good. Uh, James Fitzgerald, thanks so much for joining us. As always, appreciate it. You're welcome. Good morning. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line.